Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there and hello everybody from very sunny and very, very hot Kansas. Jan Elbert here for episode 71 of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast where We're just all about getting the promises of God into the people of God, one podcast episode at a time. So today, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about generosity, dun, dun, dun. And then at the end of the podcast, I'm going to share some verses that have so much promise for us, just, you know, what God has promised us for those of us who are generous. Like, okay, now, obviously, it's the Burt Not Ernie show, right? It's a biblically based podcast. So we're going to be looking at generosity from kind of a Bible point of view. So don't be shocked if it's like, oh, this is biblical generosity. It might be a little different, might be a little different than maybe the way you've considered generosity before. It's really easy for us to define something based on the world that we grow up in. And sometimes the word of God is like, whoa, let let me show you something different. It's, it's usually much more in depth, much more radical. I'll give you a hint. God is way more generous, way more generous than the world is. So just, just be ready to hear about serious generosity. Okay. So, um, you know, it's really, it's important that we, that we plug in and make sure we know that we know that we know what God's word says about something, because, you know, we want to be doing something based on God's word, not the world's model. So biblical generosity. Okay, let's go. One huge thing I want you to keep in mind about authentically biblical generosity is this, um, you know, just think John three sixteen, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave, gave. Giving is generosity in action. He gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him would have everlasting life, not perish. That's generosity. It's a very drastic, very different kind of generosity when we kind of stand it up to the world's generosity as compared to what the world would consider generous. So, you know, we've probably all been witness to somebody who claims to be really generous, you know, but who is uh, let's see, who is sort of, sort of, I'm just going to say it, sort of a miser in reality. They claim to be generous, but they're kind of a miser in the way they actually live. I cannot possibly be the only person to have seen this firsthand. Somebody else, put your hand up. Somebody else has seen this. I'm sure of it. Just some like general examples that I want to share here and and don't like try to figure out who is she talking about? Because I'm not actually referencing anybody. I'm making up totally random scenarios, random examples. So this is not based on any people that I know in real life. This is fiction. Okay. Um, But it is an example, fictional examples. Okay. So um, think of somebody who donates to your kid's fundraiser for their sports team. And, uh, you know, then they follow up with 
all this unsolicited advice about how to best use the funds that were donated and some better ideas for the next time. The next round of fundraising, why don't you do this, that, and the other instead? That would be way more effective, efficient, beneficial, you know, appealing, all those things. Uh, maybe they mention their generosity to your kiddo again and again. Your kid's written a hand, you know, like a handwritten thank you note and has delivered it personally and said thank you a million times, but they just keep on bringing it up to them, bringing it up to them, bringing it up to them. Okay, that's like clingy generosity. That's some clingy generosity in action right there. And again, these are just random scenarios. These are not things that happen to my kids. Okay, another example, somebody gives you like a gift card for your birthday. It's to say like a clothing store. Um, And then they text you links to the exact items that would fit your body type best from that store. That's some awkward generosity right there. And number three, what about this? You got folks who like to offer up, say, like a pound of free advice, free counsel, like that's their, you know, the world is going to get its pound of flesh. And some people they're going to just give up their pound of free counsel that relates to your situation. And they give you that along with their helpful financial gift. And nobody's saying that it's not helpful, the financial giving, but they give something more with it. Their their pound of free, unsolicited, nickels worth of free advice. Since I have some health issues, right? I'm in a couple of uh, groups for people with similar situations, like Facebook has groups for people who are in sort of the similar. So you can like ask questions about um Oh, I don't know. I I don't need to go into it. You get the point. So since I have some of those issues and I'm in some of those groups, I've heard about stuff like this, like somebody saying, here's 20 bucks. And also, if you would just take more of this really rare supplement that comes from the other side of the world that you probably just don't know enough about, you'd be all better by now. Uh, It doesn't necessarily work that way with with heart issues. But um, I have seen some posts where it's like, oh, ouch, that's difficult. That's that's awkward. That's rough. How do you explain all that to somebody? Um, eh, sometimes you don't. You just say, thank you very much. I'll look into that and you move on. Um, okay, so a gift no longer belongs to the giver once it has been given away. And look, I know this is a little bit of an awkward subject to talk about, but I think if we're really going to define biblical generosity, and I know that's what the Lord has led me to talk about for episode 71. If we're going to really define that, and then we're going to go farther than that and and say, what's the promise for those of us who really live biblically, generously, who do what the word of God and what the Lord says to do, then we also have to look at some examples of what it's not. And, you know, I am a westernized woman. This is where I've been born and raised. And so I only have examples from this society that I live in, but it's good to look at actual examples and then go, oh yeah, that reminds me of this that I've done, or I've been on the receiving end of that. And yeah, okay. I want to, I want to keep aligning my way of living, my personal beliefs and mores, the way that I function as I'm on the way to heaven. I want to keep aligning that with God's word. So that's why I give the example so that we have a kind of a before and after, so to speak, that we can really say, Lord, You just make the changes that you want to make and make me more like Jesus and do that by helping me to conform to the image of your son and to do 
what the word of God says, because Jesus said, if you love him, you'll obey him. So that's my heart behind sharing those examples of fictional people, except the ones that I, that I saw about the heart issues and the heart groups. Um, yeah, those are real, but I don't actually like in person know those people. So, okay. All right. So once you give that gift away, it no longer belongs to you. It belongs to the person you gave it to, to the receiver. It's just not yours anymore. But so many of us act like it's still ours. We still have some say over that thing. If you gave it away, you're actually officially done with it. It is not yours. It would not be mine anymore. Don't act like it's still yours because that's control. And controlling, um, to be totally honest, from a biblical standpoint, when you are a controlling type of an individual that is likened to witchcraft in the word of God, controlling someone, any attempt to control somebody else is when you boil it down to its core per the word of God is like, think if you're working with evil demonic spirits and dark arts and you're trying to cast spells on somebody, which is a real thing and people do that. And it is absolutely evil. Don't play around with that nonsense. It's dark and dangerous. And, um, you don't want to be messing around with something that God said, Oh, you best not be doing that. And he did read first and second Samuel, or just read the, both of the whole books and you'll get this totally reframed big picture of like, oh, where God stands on that stuff. Read Deuteronomy, Leviticus, you'll see his heart for those things. It's, um, it breaks his heart. He doesn't have his heart on those issues is don't do it. Just don't. And we've talked about it before when God says don't just don't. So if you're, if you're trying to like cast a spell on somebody, you're trying to control them at its core. So as followers of Christ, we do not control others. We do not partner with the evil one in any type of control over other people, whether that's through manipulation or any variety of things. So uh, at times we, we may have to walk away from people when we're like, oh, this is really wrong what they're doing. Ah, and we want to like help. And I'm using air quotes when I say help and slash control, manage the situation, mitigate things. Sometimes we have to walk away, which by the way, Jesus did on many occasions. Jesus walked away a lot, a lot from a lot of people. At times, we're going to just fast and pray about something and talk to the Lord about our concerns regarding that person's life choices or the situation they're in or what's happening to them. And uh, by talk to the Lord, I don't mean gossip to others under that umbrella of those Oh, they're like classic Christian words, you know, that we throw around. We need to pray for so-and-so. And then we're really just kind of like gossiping. And we might say a two-second prayer at the end. Um, ouch. You know what? Talking to God ought to simply mean we talk to him in prayer because that's what it means. That's what it means. If he doesn't tell me to go mention it to somebody else and pray with him about it, I need to not. I need to just bite my tongue, right? And you can actually, this is a prayer you can pray. You can pray. If you struggle with this, you can say, Lord, would you help me bite my tongue when I'm about to cross that line? Um, It's a really quick and effective way to fix this particular problem. And it works. And look, this is a problem in the church. There's nothing wrong with saying this is a problem in the church. You know, it really does need some fixing because it's broken. And in case you forgot, like, um, completely blanked on this, but the world who is hurting and desperate for to know that Jesus really is a life changing living savior who, who can fix any and every situation and change people. Cause people sometimes are just like, I'm a wreck, uh, but I'm not going to go to Jesus if he can't really change me. Sometimes they're looking at us and going, well, they're awfully gossipy. 
they're, you know, they're doing some ugly things that, that honestly misrepresent the Lord. Let's not do that. Let's, let's let him change us and stay changed. Let's not just like go off and do our own thing. You know, people are watching and let them watch, let them see good stuff. Let them see Jesus in us. Okay. So that's just some food for thought about generosity when it does not fit the actual definition of the word. So generosity, it's akin to unselfishness. It's the trait of being willing to give, right? These are the definitions of generosity. The trait of being willing to give. The spirit and action of freely and frequently giving to others. Being willing to share. To willingly give help or support, especially more than is usual or expected. A habit of giving without expecting anything in return. The virtue of being liberal in giving. Okay, so how are we doing? How do we stand up? How do we stand if we do a side-by-side? If you compare and contrast us to that definition, how are we doing? How am I doing? How are you doing? I know of people who say when they're visiting their family, they look around for all the gifts that they've given over the years. Yeah, I've seen it happen. It's, uh, I've, I've seen people who, who keep like hinting that they want another thank you and another thank you and thank you after thank you to the point that it's like, this is getting awkward. We've said thank you 50 times and this is getting real weird. Like, and of course there are people who, um, give you what they think is best for you, even if it totally is not best for you, this happens, right? And weirdly enough, I've heard people say that, uh, they just have the gift of giving. They just have the gift of giving. And so that kind of excuses away the strange sort of, I will give you what you really need per my um, viewpoint of your life, but you you can't really make a good choice for yourself. So let me help you. Let me fix you. Let me give you what you need. Because look, I'm so generous and I have the gift of giving. Sometimes that goes on, folks. Like I know this is a brutal subject topic and I'm handling it very um, gingerly, I guess you could say, but it needs to be said, so I'm going to say it. Okay, so I'm telling you, there is so much weird. There's like a ton of weird that can go on in the world of generosity, right? You've been on the receiving end of it. I'm almost certain of it. So it's really helpful to look at the definition of the word generosity um, and use it as like a litmus test and then ask, is this truly generosity, what I'm doing or what I've been receiving, or is this more of a mixed bag of a variety of things? So let me just say this probably a few times so that it sticks. I'm going to say it more than once. Metered generosity, as in measured, metered out, metered generosity is not biblical generosity. It simply never has been, and it absolutely never will be. It can't be. It does not fit the definition. God is generous. You type in Google, go to the Google and do a search of Bible verses about God's generosity, and you're going to get dozens of references Uh, God is generous. God's generosity is big. It is not metered. It is not like counted out based on um, the wonky things that we look at. It's just, it's what grace and mercy, it's, it's generosity, generosity. If you find yourself weighing out what you give and weighing out when you give, may I pose a question? When did that begin? Who's teaching got you thinking that metered and measured generosity was actually generous. If it's metered and measured and weighed out, is it generous or is it more kind of like stingy and controlled and managed? You know, managed generosity? Ooh, I'm managing my generosity. 
kind of uh, an oxymoron. That ain't going to get it done in the kingdom of God. Okay, so where do you fit in the parable that Jesus told? Okay, I'm going to remind you of the parable. In Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, Jesus told a parable about workers in the vineyard. Um, You know, the man who owned the vineyard hired workers all throughout the day at daybreak and then all the way to the late afternoon into evening. So some of them worked far shorter shifts than others. And when he paid them their wages for the work at the end of that day, which would have been customary in the time that Jesus told this parable, first he paid those who began working last. So those that just worked a little while, they got paid first, right? Um, And those in the rear of the line had worked longer much longer. And they're watching and thinking, Ooh, we're going to get a lot more than that because we worked a lot longer, but they got the exact same amount as those who worked a very short amount of time. And it was exactly what they'd been promised when he hired them. If you work for me for the day, I'll pay you this much, right? So, um, in the parable, the vineyard owner says to those who were just angry, angry, really annoyed that how dare he be generous to them? You know, because not giving us more, being generous to me would have been fine because I worked longer, giving me more than what I agreed to work for. But he was generous with them. Oh, I don't like that. And the vineyard owner said, can I not be generous with what is mine? So where do you fit in that parable? Where do you fit? Again, that's Matthew 20 verses 1 through 16. Can God not be generous with what is his? Yeah, of course he can. Of course he can. We read that and we think, oh, you know, way to throw down on those Pharisees, Lord. That's amazing. I bet they were just like fuming. They were so bad. And some of them hopefully were convicted and other people were probably encouraged that maybe were on the outside looking in. It felt like they didn't fit in the religious circle of the day. You know, we can think all those things when we read it, but then we need to step back further and say, where do I fit here? Where do I fit here? So can God not be generous with what is his? Oh yeah. Yeah, he sure can. So then the question becomes, well, what exactly is his? What is his? Every single thing. And cannot his people be generous with what is his? I'm going to say that again. Can his people not be generous with what is his? Look, I didn't say, pay attention here. I did not say, can they not be generous with what is theirs? Because here's how much of anything anybody in the history of this planet Earth has ever truly, really owned. Zero. None. We're being generous with what's his, not with what's ours. You know, John D. Rockefeller actually had a bank balance of zero dollars and zero cents in a manner of speaking. Why? Because it's all God's. Every red cent is the Lord's. Nobody, and I do mean nobody, Christian or not, owns anything. How can I say that? How do I know that? Here's how. Look, here's something my grandma used to say. She'd never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, and you probably haven't either. If you have, it's weird. Okay, it ain't going with you, folks. It does not matter if they pack your coffin with gold coins surrounding your corpse as much as they can. Every bit of it's going to stay in that coffin. Look, God is eternal. He will not be mocked. It is his now, just as it all was from day one. It is not yours. It is not mine. It is all the Lord's. And can he not do with what is his any old thing that he chooses to do? And should his people kid themselves into thinking that they're generous when they participate in measured, metered out giving? Is it wise for us as Jesus's disciples to kid ourselves, convince ourselves into thinking that we're super generous when we're, when we're having metered giving, metered generosity, very measured and controlled? You know, we might be able to say we gave something. 
But does that mean that it was actually generous giving? Some people can say they gave something, but that does not make it generous giving. Metered generosity is not biblical generosity, period. There are plenty of books and programs for the church that the church buys, that they do in small groups, that um, radio shows that they listen to, uh, that throw some verses about finances onto very, very worldly, read that to mean under man's own control, worldly ways of handling money. They all say the same thing in one manner or another, and they lie what they say to us. It's an outright lie. They lie to us and they tell us that what we own is something that we cannot own. They say, it's yours. Here's how to manage your money. Here's how to plan for your future. Blah, 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 right? That's a lie. It's not mine. It's not yours. They should be saying, here's how to handle God's money. Here's what the word of God says. And then I'm going to leave it at that and not add on some worldly system that tells you it's your money. It's a lie to say it's ours when it's God's. It just is. God owns it all. We cannot ever own it. Look, truth bomb here. This might sting a little bit. Listen to me anyway. We're going to give an account to God as stewards. We are not giving an account to God as owners. I'm going to say that again. We will give an account to God as stewards. We will never give an account to him as owners because what do we own? Nothing. Who owns it all? God does. So what are we? Stewards. We need to steward well. Some people... Um, years ago, told my husband and I not to have any more children until we earned more money. He had to be more financially secure. I'm not really sure what that means. I think 2020, 2021 have taught us that, um, yeah, whatever that was, that got, you know, chucked out the window real fast. There's, you, what, what does that even mean? If I'm not Amazon, I'm not sure I'm financially secure. You know what I mean? Like, so, but people were telling us, you need to be more financially secure, have more money, earn more money. People said that. People in the church, people outside the church, Christians and unbelievers, random people would say that, family members would say that. God never said that to us. He never did. So we went ahead and we trusted the Lord. We had our five fantastic children in the span of about seven years. And guess what? God was right all along. By the time I was 27, before I even turned 28, my health had deteriorated to a point that pregnancy could have, probably would have, almost did with our fifth baby taking my life. I just, I couldn't have any more children. I couldn't be pregnant again. I really just could not do it again. That was it. No more babies. I couldn't have any more. Pregnancy, that season was over. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. It was obvious to so many people then that like, ah, yeah, you could see God's great wisdom in us having our children on his timetable in spite of not earning more money. Look, God is faithful. That's the point of of telling you this. He is trustworthy. He is good. And he always provided for our family. People are going to say stuff too. Just so you know, people say stuff. You will hear a lot of stuff. So much stuff that people are just going to say and say and say and say and say. Your job is to go to the word of God, dig into your Bible, read it daily, and then via prayer, talk to your Abba Father about what he says in his word. Obey him. Trust him. Do not, do not be too quick to assume all the things that people say are what God is somehow speaking to you through them. Go to the word and go to prayer. This applies to our level of generosity, not just to other parts of our lives, not just to how many kids you have. This is about generosity. What's your attitude when you give? What's your ability to totally let go of a gift as soon as you've given it? You've given it, totally let go. 
they don't even have to say thank you, right? Not really. They shouldn't have to because you gave the gift. Who's teaching you? Who's speaking into your life over and over again about money and about generosity because the two go together. If somebody's talking to you about money from a Christian perspective, they're probably talking about generosity. If it's just a worldly system you're following, um, I don't know how much generosity is getting mentioned there, but from a Christian perspective, who is speaking into your life and teaching you and teachers lead, teachers guide, teachers want you, you know, they, teachers expect to be followed honored and obeyed, right? So who's teaching you? Who's speaking into your life about money and about generosity? Do they tell you that it's your money? Are you more stressed out about money now than you were before you started listening to their radio program, bought their book, you know, doing their thing in the small group, which by the way, you're paying them for. Don't forget that. Look, folks, everybody, all of us, we like to keep getting paid. That's why you go to work. That's why you keep working, right? People like to get paid and to continue to get paid. So, you know, bad news sells, right? Nobody watches the news when everything's all happy-go-lucky. That's what they say. Sometimes uh, somebody makes a virus and then they sell you the virus software to get rid of the virus that they created. You know, this is sort of how the world works. Don't be naive enough to think that just because it's in the Christian section of the bookstore that they're not trying to make money off of you and that some of the money might come from the add-ons, the upsells. You're still having probably a little bit of money problems. If you get to the end of it and they say, for those of you who are still not totally doing better in your money yet, you have this option to upgrade. You're paying them to keep you in bondage to some extent. Just saying, I know, I've lost a lot of you probably already today. That's all right. That's okay. You'll come back around if the Lord wants you to. It's okay. But for those of you still listening, just think about that. Pray about that. Where's your peace at? Are you more stressed out now? That's not God's will. That's not God's will for you to do a program, read a book, and then be more stressed about the thing that you're supposed to be getting relief from. I tell you, that's not God's will. When you read about money in God's word, you're not going to come away more stressed out. You're going to have more peace. It's a beautiful thing. Contrast that to maybe some of the worldly ways of talking to you about money, which is about your generosity. Okay, so here's here's another hard question. Can God rule and then overrule your plans in this area? Are you generous with your time, with your prayers for others, your love, your compassion? Are you generous with your absolutely radical obedience to Jesus too? Think about that one. Are you radically obedient to Jesus to the, to the point that it's like, crazy generosity, right? Radically obeying him. Generosity is about a lot more than just a few measly bucks. It really is. So, um, you know, is your ire getting up regarding this topic? As I talk, are you getting like, oh, a little stressed out, you know, she's stepping on toes here. If so, it might be time to just pray, like pray a lot, get your Bible open, read what it says. Jesus's words in red in the New Testament will very quickly super fast, get your head on straight about biblical generosity. It's a mirror. It's a perfect mirror. And you'll be like, Ooh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm way off on this one. That doesn't sound like me or, Oh, I'm so comforted. I feel so much better. I mean, I'm telling you, it will do a reset, uh, quicker than anything. So words in red start there. Jesus's words in red in the red letter Bible in the new Testament. Yeah. You'll find out about generosity real fast. You will not give an account to some self-proclaimed money guru. And newsflash, if right now you feel like you have to do that, 
Would you pray and ask God if that's his will for your life in regard to his property, right? So all of all that you own is really God's. You don't own it. You're a steward. And if you feel like I've got this financial planner or whatever, and uh, he makes me keep an account with it, I got to keep account with him. And, and I'm constantly like, oh, stressed out about talking to him about it. Look, you're not a celebrity who's out buying multi-million dollar mansions and all these cars and spending more than you're earning. I'm not, look, so do you actually need to be giving an account to somebody? If it's me, I'm going to tell you something. If it's not my husband and it's not my God, I'm not really sure why I would be giving you an account for how generous I am. And if you think that's not an issue, you just start asking around. People will tell you their accountants or financial planners will get a little bit annoyed or even a lot annoyed, a little controlling. They'll throw out some fear if they start giving too much. You can give this much, but not that much. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? When God gave his son, he gave it all. And then we're listening to people who are saying, oh, you better just dial that back a little bit. Be careful there. Be careful there. And again, um, some of this is from my husband and I's personal experience. Very little, though. Most of this is just what we have seen across the board. Generosity is an area where we've been on the same page. and We've both been enormously blessed by um, just following the Holy Spirit's leading in this area. And so if I'm passionate about it, it's because I've seen it work and it's a beautiful thing. And I've seen other people get all tied up and um, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And this is a tough one. You get tangled up in bondage in this area. It feels impossible to get out of. It feels scary. It's not. It's a lie from Satan that you can not live any more generously than you are right now. You can. You can trust God. You can trust God. Satan does not want you trusting God. And Satan wants you giving a really lousy account to the Lord for what you did with your life, including all of the resources that you're to steward. He wants you to have to say, I didn't actually steward anything. I just hoarded it. I hid it. I buried it in the ground. So don't fall for Satan's trap and don't be afraid to turn over a new leaf in this area and spend some time praying about, God, what does generosity look like in in for what do you want generosity to look like in my life at this point? And he'll show you. He will. Okay, so um, talk to him about it. And if you if you do feel any of those things, I really do want to encourage you to just pray. God will let you know what his will is in regard to his property and your life. If you ask him, he will give you the wisdom that you need. Uh, read James chapter one, and you'll you'll learn about that incredible promise. He promises. He'll give you the wisdom, but you got to ask him. So ask him and he'll give it. I may be a little or I might be a whole lot like radical sounding right now when I say that giving an account to anybody who's not my God or my husband and giving an account to somebody about to a man or a woman on this planet about money that they did not earn, that the hubs earned, my husband and I earned it, right? And it doesn't belong to him. It all belongs to the Lord. It's not the best plan for Christians to be doing that. I know I'm stepping on your toes for some of you, but maybe, you know, go put on some steel-toed boots. And honestly, we need a lot more toe-stepping, hard-hitting. This is what the Word of God says, period. This is what it looks like to live as a Christian, period. We're not supposed to look exactly like the world. We're supposed to look like Jesus, period. We don't have enough of it. We are all way too mingled and mixed in with the world's ways of doing things. And we need Jesus's ways. We need them. We need them. We need them. Real biblical following of Jesus and only Jesus. Not following Jesus plus the law. Not Jesus plus a system or a program. Not Jesus plus anything, just Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Not any old way, not whatever truth suits us at this time. 
Jesus is not an option. He is the great I am. Real biblical following of Jesus is, it is, um, it's wild in how radical it actually is. Your whole life will get turned upside down. And guess what? It's the only way you want to live, my friend. You want to live with Jesus turning your life upside down day after day after day in radical ways. You want to live that way. You know why? Because that's the way you want to die. The only way you want to die is having been sold out for Jesus, following him completely. Trust me on this. Don't play around with this. Live this way because you want to die this way. You are a steward. But are you a truly generous steward? All right. Now I'm going to give you God's word about this topic. Um, I'm going to start in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is Jesus speaking. He said, give, and it will be given to you. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you hear that? It will be given. It will be given to you. This is the great I am. This is the living word. This is the way, the truth, and the life, the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who, when he comes back, is going to rip the sky in half, and on his thigh is going to be written the names Faithful and True. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. He is not kidding around. This is God Almighty. And he says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a lot of times of using the word will. And when God says will, you better believe he does it. He will do it. So how are you measuring? Is it metered? Is it metered generosity or is it radical generosity? Let's get after this, folks. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, the whole chapter, Paul really addresses giving and of course, includes generosity. It's a great read, but verses 10 and 11, God will also supply and increase your store of seed. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Oh, not for my retirement? Not from my kids, um, you know, college fund? I'll be made rich so I can be generous on every occasion. That's beautiful. That's biblical generosity. And Proverbs 22, verse 9, a generous man, or woman, I'm going to say, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. We got to be generous, folks. We've got to be if we want to be living the way the Lord wants us to live. And right now is a perfect time to start living with radical generosity. Those, Those three verses, just three verses I shared, are fantastic promises, and they are for you. Y-O-U, they're for you, baby. So Lord bless you today and make you generous and guide you in good and wise and godly stewardship of every single thing that he has entrusted you with. And remember, it's all temporary and it's all his. Okay, so I'm going to catch you next time for the next episode of the Burt Not Ernie show. And um, I'm going to be on the road a little bit doing some things for a couple weeks and um, hopefully getting some stuff taken care of medically in August. It's going to be a fantastic month for me in this regard. I'm really looking forward to to all of the things that are coming. But I got to tell you, if you um, have a week where there's no new episode of the podcast, That's why I'm getting some stuff done and I'm excited about it. So have a wonderful day. Lord bless you. And as always, you can find me on social media or my website. My website is janelbert.com. On Facebook, I would look for my Jan Elbert author page. And on Instagram, it's just at Jan Elbert. I would love to connect with you and hear from you. And 
If you're interested in my book, 40 Day Devotional About God's Promises, The Power of God's Will, you know, in case you're new to the show, the way that I read that verse from Luke, um, where Jesus promised that with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's just 40 devotionals all about that word will, focusing on what it means when God says he will do a certain thing. It's exciting once you really dig into it because I tell you what, it challenges your belief and it breaks things open. Your prayer life will change. It's really, um, it's, it's so good to really believe God's word. Get those promises of God into you where they belong, where you can like appropriate them and believe them. So you can find that book on Amazon. Am- Amazon, that's not a word. Amazon, the link will be in the show notes and it's called The Power of God's Will, 40 Days of God's Promises. I would love for you to grab a copy, share a copy with a friend. You can get it for your Kindle. Um, and leave me a review, if you would, of the podcast, of the book, of both. That would be awesome. Thanks so much for taking some time to let me talk with you about real biblical generosity. Go live generous, man, and just see what God will do in you, through you, and for you. All right. Take care, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.